Hey, Wilder, you again? Hi, Alistair. <laughs> we we just taped uh, this coming week, and now we're taping this a little early because Wilder's going on vacation. But so much to talk about. But before we get into the stuff we're going to talk about today, uh, we did get a write-in on the Killing Eve. That, uh, I mentioned the Killing Eve, the third and final season, mm-hmm. up and coming. So I also can't wait for their last season to start on February 27th. I know you said you didn't like season two, Hollister, but I thought it was pretty good, and they gave us another grand finale. It was the third season that I thought was weakest, although the finale was memorable, but it's still w- worth worth the watch. Also, and this is a correction, Jomi Comer did win an Emmy in 2019, so I stand corrected on that. I'm sorry for the mistake. I try really hard not to do that, but um, and I'm so glad she. I think did they'll it. forgive you. Well, I know. But I, yeah, but I'm sorry I missed it. I just think she's such a talent. And so it's good to know that she, in fact, uh, did, did in fact, get it. So before we get started, I know you didn't watch this, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but Tinder Swindler, which, and I, when I was talking to Wilder about it earlier, I called it Tindler Swindler. Which she, I think is what it should be called. <laughs> and she very personally. kindly said, she said, <laughs> she said, Hollister, it's Tinder Swindler. But anyway... <laughs> So it's the story of this guy, you know, Simon Levev, who's really, his real name is Shimon um, Hayat. Uh, he's from Israel. And he was arrested in 2019, sentenced to 15 months in an Israeli jail, but he was re- released after five months. He took a million five from five unsuspecting women on Tinder. And by Great. the way, and they all, to their credit, the cor- the courage of these women they go on camera. They show what a fool they were. They were totally blown away by his presentation of a billion-dollar status, how he entertained them, how he told them he was madly in love. They, gave, they took out loans. They sold their cars. They, they, it, it's so upsetting. Okay, so here he is. He serves five months. He's back on the scene. He's back and he's oh women. yeah he's got a tv deal he's got a book deal i women, mean women it's going to be a reality show women are flocking to him okay it's which, insane well it is insane and that's the part i want to say so then i thought what's wrong with these women so i went and did a little homework and i just want to put this out there what do ted bundy richard the night stalker ramirez these are all by the way serial killers yeah Hills, hillside stranglers kenneth bianchi and angela bono what what do they all have in common? And, and we'll add to that Scott Peterson, Charles Manson. Uh, they're all murderers? The Mendez brothers. They, they all got married in jail, and they had huge followings of people trying to, to be with them after they were arrested I and convicted. I get it. Okay, come on, ladies. If anybody has an idea as to why this happens, I looked it up. A psychiatrist said, look, there's one of two reasons women do this. They think they can save them or they think they're really good people inside. They just made a terrible decision, which either way, I don't understand that. Or they want that their own moment in fame, and that's how they're going to get it. And I feel like if you want attention, call me. I'll give you attention. You no, do not, you do don't not, call me. You, ha- you, do, you do not have to hook up with a serial killer. Isn't that what social media is for? I don't know. Like I don't know. people don't begging know. for attention? Is that the point? Know. I don't know, but it's really, really upsetting to me. I can't even tell you. So we're going to talk about two films today, though. Nightmare Alley, which you watched and I didn't, but I've got a bunch of questions for you. But why don't you intro the film, and then I'll give a little bit of history behind it. 
you always do this to me. You always switch up what we're going to talk about. And I'm always prepped for the other one. Okay. And then I got to go back and I got to get all my stuff for the, okay. So nightmare alley. There we go. We're on nightmare alley. Yes. Guillermo del Toro wrote and directed this, um, searchlight pictures released it. It's starring Bradley Cooper and a whole host of wonderful, wonderful actors. Kate Blanchett's in it. Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe. I, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, it is a remake actually of a movie from years and years ago, uh, which I didn't know, but an ambiguous young carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Um, that is a very nice, uh, log line. It skips over a ton of the plot of the movie. Um, this it's, movie... it's definitely a, it's, it's a noir, it's a noir film. It's like black and white. It's like that gritty. I, I didn't see it in black and white, but they did release it in black and white. Yeah. Um, which I understand and I, I get, but if you didn't shoot it in black and white, I don't want to see it in black and white. Um, sorry, well, you know, a it, snob. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. I did pick up a few things. So Kate Blanchett, she reminds me so much of, did you ever see, um, uh, she reminds, she reminds me of actors from the past. Can you guess which ones? Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I she do. played her. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and also Bradley Cooper did not want to do it. He didn't want to do any more films. He said he thought he might be done making movies hmm. and, and, um, del Toro met with him and said, this is a perfect part for you. I really want you to do it. And now, um, Bradley Cooper says, not only am I glad I did it, it totally revived my sense of love for film and everything else. And he was just thrilled to be in it. Uh, I in mean, it. Guillermo's one of those directors who pulls the best out of his actors. Um, now how does he do that? Do you know how he does that, Wilder? You know, every, every director has their own method. I think he, Guillermo del Toro is like a genuinely wonderful human. Everyone I know who's met him, who has worked with him has absolutely adored him. He always takes time to talk to his fans, like always, uh, without fail. And I don't know. I just, I think he's just, he's a great storyteller. Um, that being said, this is not my favorite of his. (laughs) Um, really, which one is your favorite? Of his, probably Pan's Labyrinth. Really? I think. Huh. Um, but that wasn't my favorite movie that year. I'm very complicated. Um, <laughs> but this movie, while it has, it certainly has redeeming qualities, it's way too long. It's about a half hour too long. Um, there, there's a whole, the whole opening is set in Bradley Cooper's home with his there's a he's burying a body and burns down the house and you assume this is somehow going to tie into the story it doesn't Uh, but wait you know what it doesn't have to I saw that opening um I mean I did watch about 15 minutes of it before I had to turn it off but I thought wow I mean even the profile and that turns out to be in black and white because of the of the lighting. God, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was an amazing. It's beautiful. Opening. It's beautiful cinematography. It has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> I didn't care. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, maybe there's some, you know, they're tying the character together, but I didn't think it was necessary. Uh-huh. The movies because the movie is too long. Like, you get, you get to the end of the first hour, and it's really kind of the end of the first act. 
And it's, it just very slow when it didn't really need to be like, it's slow for slow's sake, rather than slow because the pacing of the story warrants it, or, you know, the character development warrants it. Not really, not really any of those things. Um, the performances are great. I mean, Kate Blanchett steals the whole movie. Um, and she's only in the last third. She is only in the last third of the movie. Which is, people are talking about that too for, I think she was nominated, right? I don't remember. I think she was, yeah. Um, but here, but here's the thing, also to include in the intro, I think Del Toro picks topics that have a real meaning for him. And in this, mm -hmm. and he was interviewed in uh, January uh, with Terry Gross from the National Public Radio. Did you catch that interview? I didn't, Okay, but so, I should have. <laughs> I know. He said... He'd been interested in the subjects of grifters and fake psychics who prey mm -hmm. on vulnerable and grieving people like the ones that we saw in the movie. Yeah. Um, was that in 1998, when his father was kidnapped in Mexico and held for ransom. I didn't know that, did you? No. His family was immediately preyed upon by con artists claiming to mm -hmm. be psychics. And he and Del Toro said, and I quote, one of the first warnings that came from the hostage negotiator, he said, beware of the psychics. They're going to show up really early. And no sooner had I hung up the phone that I went to see my mother and there were two psychics sitting in the living room telling her they knew and they could lead us to where my father was because they could sense him. Oh, and this God. made an indelible impression. And that cruelty, which I saw firsthand, is also part of the spirit of this movie. Did you see that? I mean, that's that's very much on parade in this movie. And and Bradley Cooper, I mean, he he goes down, you know, the path of no return. He's and he's great. He's you know, he's a great actor. He's great in the movie. At the end of the day, I was kind of because the movie starts where it starts in the carnival world and the sideshow world. I, I didn't know exactly where it was going. I wanted more of the sideshow world. I thought that's where the, the movie was taking place. And they, it's not quickly, but they they move the movie out of there. And, and then they're in, you know, the upper echelons of Chicago society. And I was really disappointed with that. I was, I loved the, the feel and the oddness, but also the familial pattern within the carny sideshow world that we were in and bradley cooper's character like really finds a home there and then runs away from it as soon as he figures out how to monetize what he's learned there which is the life of a grifter and that's that's fine it just wasn't properly set up for me that mm -hmm. that's who he was as a character and that you know it's okay but of guillermo's work this wasn't my favorite i i think it was the least um, consistent and just far too long. So do you know who was supposed to play the role? I don't. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play the Bradley Cooper role. Yes. Why now, did he fall off? Because of money. Oh, well, that makes sense. I, I actually didn't search think like movie. I, did, I didn't think that DiCaprio did things for money based on money anymore. But anyway, setting that aside. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> apparently. Would you, would you have liked, I thought to myself, you, maybe that would have been a better person in the role. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, Bradley Cooper doesn't speak for like the first, I know like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Um, and I was like, is he mute? What's going on here? I was like, is that why he's joining the carnival circuit? I didn't really fully understand. Um, I think it would have been a really different movie with, 
DiCaprio in the center. Um, I, I do think too. They That's have... why I'm asking. Do you think it would have been better? I maybe. <sighs> I don't know. I maybe it would have been better. Um, you know, I think I think one of the things that Bradley Cooper did that I was impressed by is he really wasn't afraid to go dark and really not care about the consequences of his actions. And I think if you're playing a grifter, that's important. I think DiCaprio infuses most of his roles with that underlying heart. And you don't really get that out of Bradley Cooper. And I think that's kind of important for the story Del Toro was trying to tell. And I think because he's Leonardo DiCaprio, you kind of care regardless. He, he kind of always has, I don't know if it's his voice or how, how he portrays things, but there's more, there's just more depth and more character on the screen when it's DiCaprio. And I, I don't think that's what this movie wanted. Interesting. Um, now, do you know who the two women were who were considered for um, Kate Blanchett's role? I mean, it should have only been Kate Blanchett, but who else was it? <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Lady Gaga. Oh, interesting. I got to believe Gaga was brought in, you know, because, you know, we know that um, Bradley Cooper's like mad for her. Yeah. Yeah. To work with her. But uh, I thought I, I just think it's an interesting slate of. Uh, I mean, Kate Blanchett has such. Such a presence just her ability to be in a room and command that room without saying anything is it's unparalleled. And I, I love both of those other ladies. I don't know, especially because they're so much younger. Also, I don't know that they would have had that kind of impact. Mm-hmm. And she, she steals the film. I mean, full on steals the film. Speaking in- of full is speaking of full on, you haven't mentioned yet. Oh yeah. We get a, <laughs> There's definitely some nudity in it. <laughs> not some new. It's the first time Bradley Cooper's ever gone full, full, full front. I mean, it's not like it's he's not like walking around naked for minutes at a time. It's like it's just it's, you know. Well, here's what he said about it in case anybody's interesting. <laughs> the content of what the movie is in order to do it in a real way, it demanded that we be naked emotionally, soulfully and even physically which actually was a big deal for me. But I remember reading it in the script and thinking he's a pickle punk in that bathtub and it's the story. You have to do it. I still remember that day just to be naked in front of the crew for six hours. And it was like Tony Colette's first day. And, you know, it was like, whoa, it's pretty heavy. I'd never done that. That was a big deal. I'd never done that. He reiterated that when he was fully committed to the movie, he never tried to get out of the scene, adding, "I no, I didn't want to push it. No, no, no. I knew there was nothing gratuitous about it. It was the story. I just wanted, I felt like saying, welcome to the world of women, Bradley. I mean, you barely see anything, by the way. Like, it's not, it's not gratuitous at all. Yeah. Um, and the way that it's shot, you don't see much to, you know, write home about, but you know, it is, it is an interesting, um, interaction between the two of them. <laughs> well, so I, I can't get, are you saying you recommend it or you don't recommend it or what I is mean, your... I think if you're interested in the subject matter, go for it, but no, it's a slow burn. No, it's, um, for me, it's a bit disjointed. Um, but it's Guillermo del Toro. So it's beautiful. You know, uh, I, I didn't watch it in black and white. I watched it in color. I'm glad I watched it in color. The colors are stunning. Um, 
I, I, it's not one that I'm like, go rush out to the theaters to see, but it's not a bad watch. It's just not my favorite of his. Gotcha. All right. So we'll wrap that up because we've got to talk about our main frame show today, which I made you watch. You did. What the hell did you make me watch, Hollister? I made you watch Inventing Anna. This is, this is your turn. This okay. is your turn. Okay. Look, it's about, um, it's about a, a true story. She was a con artist who came and conned a lot of people in New York, including a lot of Wall Street, very high-level bankers, et cetera. She almost got given $40 million. She, she took money from her friends, but she was also very generous with them. So she paid for everything when she went anywhere, but she was, you know, paying Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul. It was, she totally a con artist. So the series after she's been, um, after she's been picked up and she's, uh, going to trial is really the relationship between her and this journalist who, by the way, we haven't seen her in so long, and it's still hard for me to see Anna Chomsky and not think of her. Klumsky. Klumsky. <laughs> it's hard for me to see her and not see her as the child actor that she was all those years ago. You her- didn't watch Veep. I, no, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, you should watch Veep. Okay. All right. Well, he is fantastic in Veep. Now, this cast does really well with, I think, some very difficult moments to portray. <laughs> And it's the it's the it's the relationship between the journalist and her. It's the relationship between her and her friends. It's the relationship between her and a lot of men. Let's face it, including uh-huh. bankers and Wall Street types and everything else. And here at the center of it is Julia Garner, who's playing Anna Delvey, and even her and her father. If you wanna if you wanna tap into every difficult relationship a a girl can have that really messes her up for the rest of her life. This is the, this is the series for you. What did you think? I hated it. Oh, I, I knew you would. I'm, you know what? I hated you have made every, me watch- I watched the whole thing. I watched every damn episode of this thing. And I found like three redeeming qualities in this show. Oh, well, why don't you give me those first? Because we like to be positive where we can. I thought Alexis Floyd, who played Neff, was fantastic. I loved her. Okay. Uh, I thought, I mean, Julia Garner, I think, is very talented, and I think she can kind of do anything. Um, and I seriously related to Anna Clumsey's character of Vivian Kent as she's, like, pregnant and desperately trying to finish this article. Otherwise, I thought this was mostly trash television. Uh, it may, it may be, that's okay. But sometimes there's a place for that. I mean, I am a person who happily indulges in like, you know, love is blind. It's ridiculous. It's awful. But like, I enjoy it. This was, there was just, there was nothing here. I thought all of oh, the characters were just, I don't agree. Eh. Like I thought I didn't understand why she was so interesting, why anybody cared about her. Like your whole thing about her relationships that have messed her up for life. Like, I think they do away with that pretty clearly in the show and say like, she was always like this. She wasn't affected by her relationship with her father that way. Like, well, her father says she was born this way. Yeah. He walked away. Well, and her mother does. Her mother says she was born this way. Um, but what did you like about it? I liked the back and forth of, I, I kept changing my mind. 
you know, like there, there's sort of like this, this um, juxtaposition between two of her friends. Uh, did the friend betray her? Or did she betray the friend? And you go back and forth on the on which side you're on because one of the friends who actually ends up in the indictment being one of the people who testifies against her, who she stole $60,000 from, it's sort of pointed out, well, you used her all the way until the point where she got in trouble. You said she could use your credit card. In other words, you sort of go back and forth, wait, you know, her friends turn on her. <laughs> See, I, I just thought she was stupid. I just <laughs> like Rachel should have canceled her credit card the second she got home. But also, you know what? We had a really good role, and I was glad to see her in a role that I considered to be of substance was Laverne Cox. Yeah, I liked Laverne Cox. I like her all the time, though. Yeah, I but mean, I like I like that it's a real role. Like, you is know, it? it's yeah, it really is I it a real it, role. I, I mean, she's was, a yeah. she's a trainer. She's an instructor, and no, like she she no. has one good moment, one really good moment in the courthouse. Other than that, I think she's wallpaper for the most part. Oh, I didn't think so. I thought that I, I thought that her support of her, her she gives us sort of a bird's eye view of being inside that pack and what that was like. Um, I I thought I really enjoyed it. I thought I agree with a lot of what's been written about it, that it is too it was too long. It did not it's, need it's to not be. only too long, it's also just not interesting. Like there was no aspect of this, like all the interesting parts they cut over, right? All of the like I wanted to see, um, what's his name? The Wall, her lawyer, uh, who was negotiating Goose from, um, and, and from ER. Um, what's his Goose, name? Goose from Goose, I don't no, know. Goose from uh, from Top Gun, and he was on ER. Um, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards plays her lawyer, who's like figuring out how she's going to get all of these loans, right? And you don't see his testimony. Like they skip over what, what Vivian considers to be like, she got into these wall street guys. Right. And he was the conduit. He was the reason that she was able to get access to all of these people and he won't speak to her. And then they cut over his testimony. Like he's the one person who we are desperately trying to figure out why he bought into what she did. And Oh, I, then they I, don't I show us. It, it was obvious. He, she bought. He bought into what she said because she, she was smart. She figured out what your doorway in was with every single person who she, who she. Oh, called. I didn't think that's and, why they said that. And and the doorway into him was his daughter. He yeah, had a but, very bad relationship with his daughter, yeah. and she, she sort of helped him say, look, you've got to set boundaries and you've got to be firm and your daughter will find her way, but you can't just constantly give in to he, she made him feel better about the father that he wasn't. So that's why he went in She with her. played the daughter he wanted. Yeah, exactly. But, but then like, she doesn't get the loans. Everything falls apart, but we don't see it. We don't see any of that. We just see her get arrested. We don't see her find out that she's not getting the oh, loans. Oh yeah, we did. We don't see her find out. No, we had a lot of phone calls saying you're, it didn't happen. You're not getting it. There, I thought. No, you that's not in the show at all. Actually, it's just waiting on it. Just waiting. I'm, They're doing more due diligence. No, They're doing more they, due diligence. No, we see the calls she gets when she doesn't get it. She goes nuts. No, she. He says no. It's not that she doesn't get it. It's that it's all gone through. They're sending a person to Germany no. to assess then, your assets and then she well we both it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that she but in at that, that moment, point 
everybody else still thinks that she has this trust uh, yeah. except for us. I didn't think that was something. I didn't think that was a hanging chat in this at all. I don't, I, I thought they made all the wrong choices in this. I thought that there yeah. were so many more opportunities to make this interesting. And how did she do this? But they made it all about girl problems and just Anna Klumsky's character trying to come back from being a bad journalist while also painting her as a bad journalist. Like she, she doesn't, she doesn't come up with the idea to look through Anna's social media. You know who does? Her old colleagues who don't probably don't even understand social media. I love them. I love that group. I love them too. I love Scriberia. They're yeah. the best part of the show. <laughs> and, yeah. And, well, and they have some great acting in there. I let mean, me Anna Devere Smith can yeah, take my I'm, heart and run with I know, it any I day know. of the week. Any day of the week. But they're the, like, you've got this 20 something or early 30 something who's investigating this girl. She can't come up with the idea to look into her social media to figure out what the hell she's doing. I, she's I a bad journalist. Okay. I think you're nitpicking a bit here. I'm, I'm not nitpicking. I'm I was saying. pissed the whole time I watched this show. Okay. They made her out to be stupid. <laughs> well, isn't the whole point of any show to elicit feelings? And maybe you should, maybe you should take a look at the angry feelings that you had and ask yourself what button they were pushing that would make the you button that. they were pushing was why is everybody so obsessed with this? I, I don't I get it. it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Now wait, did you see, um, did you see hustlers with, uh, Julia? Stiles? I haven't seen hustlers. I know that's Jesse's other, other article that got adapted. Yeah. Same author also got adopted for articles she did in hustlers. Um, and Julia Childs, uh, Julia Stiles played her role. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah. And also, I think Julia Stiles could have played this role really well. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Anna Klumsky and I think she's, I think she is really smart. And so that was part of what really upset me about the portrayal of her as an, as ah, like, now we're getting to it. She's a okay. bad journalist. So she, so Anna her so, um, so Anna hurt your feelings by taking a role that would make her, we would diminish her intellect. Is that what I happened? mean? Sure. But also okay. they just wrote just her as a dumb, just bad saying. journalist. Okay. She can't come up with an idea on her own to save her life in this show. Um, anyway, it's getting huge, huge, huge response. Everyone's talking about it, but I also pointed out to some friends. Yeah. The huge responses in New York and LA, <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's not across the nation where most people can't watch something like this and relate to it in any way, but I thought it was good. I thought it's worth it. And, um, and I hope, I mean, people I will say I was biased ahead of time that this article came out and, you know, Hollywood went insane. And I read it and I went, I don't get it. I don't get why everybody's going nuts over this. And then, you know, Shonda scooped it up um, exclusively for a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I just shook my head and was like, they're going to make a mediocre TV series out of this. And I was right. Okay. <laughs> and here's the thing with Shonda, which we have to acknowledge. She knows how to put ensemble cast together. I mean, you it's know, the same ensemble cast, though. Yeah, well, over and of, over again. Well, and that's because she trusts them. She's had she's been burnt a lot by actors, and so she picks people she knows are going to play by her rules. But here's the thing: all together, all of those people together did a great job, in my humble opinion. I think when you're talking about level of difficulty, the only person who had level of difficulty in this was Julia Garner. Um, I don't know. I think Anna did. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I just, I was not here for it. I just, I don't get it. I just don't get well, it. Well, let's see. Well, it'd be interesting to see um, when the award time comes out, whether it's it's brought up on it. But I'm glad, I'm glad you watched it. I'm grateful that you watched it. I'm sorry you didn't like it. I appreciate that you watched all of them. And uh, I, but I, I wanted it to get better. I really did. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, I think you wanted to come up in with a probably you probably wrote down ammunition to to sort of belt us with, but I mean every episode I was like, this is the decision they're making. <laughs> and it was. Um, all right. Well, I recommend it. Clearly she doesn't, but I listen do to not. Me. Okay, come go on. Go watch you guys. Love is Blind instead. You'll be far more entertained. Okay, there you go. All right. Thanks so much for showing up, everybody. Really appreciate being in front of you both. Vid, both audio and vid, visually. Oh my goodness, here we are on YouTube. So excited. Yeah, let us know how you're feeling. And thanks for the couple of comments on the YouTube stuff that we're putting up. Really appreciate it. Bye bye.